everybody. Wow. Welcome to the special You've Entered a Parallel episode. (laughs) (laughs) We've never done that. We've never done two episodes on one day, have we? Uh, No. No, I don't think so. Welcome to this. Listen, we are so excited to share our complete conversation with Jen Malkowski with you today as a supplemental episode for this week's conversation on season five, episode 16, The Body. Jen is a professor of film and media studies at Smith College with a specialization in death and dying in media. You might say that is appropriate for today's conversation. Uh, Jen is the author of Dying in Full Detail, and they are a self-described, quote, queer, non-binary person and a lifelong Buffy fan now in the business of convincing all my young feminist students that they must watch this ancient show. (laughs) Ancient. Wow. <laughs> Jen's words, Dare. not mine. <laughs> hmm. Moving swiftly from ancient times into the present, <laughs> let me take this opportunity to remind you all that we'll be doing some interactive biz uh, for our beautiful, sweet everybody's and our beautiful, sweet patrons uh, coming up. Here's what's going on. Saturday, May 16th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We will be watching... Buffy, season three, episode 21 and 22, graduation day, parts one and two, all together on Instagram Live. You might say, it's a snake, it's a snake, it's a great big snake. The greatest of big snakes. The big snake that started it. The biggest snake of all. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) So uh, that's, that's for everyone. Join us, please. We had a blast watching prom together and um and this will be just as fun except twice as long wow that is what she said (laughs) she did say that um then the following saturday oh my god i'll be uh headlining (laughs) 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 uh i'll be running another xena hang on um on that day, Saturday, May 25th. Head- headliner Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> uh, that's going to be 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that'll be in our our uh, patron only Facebook group, open to all patrons. Um, looking on, looking into us all watching an episode of Xena together Ooh-wee. with the uh, with limited chaos. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned for details. <laughs> Um, transitioning from chaos into more chaos. I have a new podcast with Joanna Robinson that you get if you are a patron of ours at Buffering's at Buffering the Vampire Slayers Patreon, or if you are a patron of the Storm podcast over at patreon.com slash storm of spoilers. Uh, you can obviously find all of this information at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Link to our Patreon, link to our store, blah, blah, blah. Feels like the first time has been a blast so far. I just finished watching Mad Max Fury Road. I am forever changed. And I am now, we're now voting, Jenny. And I have to tell you right now that the vote on Twitter is so close, neck and neck. 34% to The Fast and the Furious and 32% to Batman. They are neck and neck. I don't even know what the next episode is going to be <laughs> because it's, it's so contentious in there. Oh my God. But uh, I will be probably watching both of those. Batman franchise Batman. you vote Batman well oh Batman yeah a lot of people are voting Batman Choose also Batman. B- because it <laughs> it includes birds of prey which I know people are right of course on. everybody wants you to watch that yeah uh so it's like Michelle Rodriguez you know it, there's a lot of there's a lot to battle I'm sure we'll wind up going mm. through both of them I also have a book club for patrons. Uh, and if you are in our book club, you know that the uh, hang for talking about Wilder Girls is happening on Saturday, May 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific in the Slack group. Wilder Girls, bananas book, bananas book. It's sort of like a um, YA novel about um, these girls at an all-girls school who are in quarantine. So it's very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll be talking about that on Saturday, May 9th. You can find all of that information obviously, at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Jenny, are you ready? Yes. For spooky news. Tell me everything. Spooky news. Okay, so uh, our listener Sarah sent in an incredible thread on Twitter. It was literally designed for my spooky news segment. Uh, The the thread was started by uh, the Yorkshire Yorkshire Museum uh, to ask for other museum curators to submit their, quote, 
creepiest objects. So we'll be sharing this on our Twitter, on our Twitter, so you can see it, but it's at Yorkshire Museum. Um, And they begin, they kick it off with uh, their creepiest object, which is the bun, like the hair bun from the Mm -mm. burial of a Roman lady uh, from the third or the fourth century with the, with the pins are still in place in this hair bun. Uh, Really, really creepy. There's this mermaid that looks like I don't even know this like skeletal it's real real scary there's this animal on wheels that like might be a sheep it might be a dog it's hard to tell but apparently it rolls around on its own there's no. a pin cushion that has it looks like a little pea pod but instead of peas it's these creepy ass little kid heads so no I'm just saying it's a fantastic thread it is today's spooky news we will share it on our Twitter and thank you so much Sarah for this endless I mean it's just I could keep reading them but I'm not going to you can have fun on your own journeying <laughs> through Thread. Enjoy the thread. There's like hearts of pigeons with pins on them to kill witches. Oh, it's great. It's just a delight. It's what spooky news is made of. Uh, Hey, I know you were all waiting with bated breath so you could join my wow army uh, by donning a wow, wow, wow pin. Yes. Well, hey, they've been (laughs) restocked in our store. You're welcome. Also, crop tops are back, baby, when you go up to your roof alone, isolated (laughs) to work on your isolation tan. You could wear a crop top. Yes, you could. I don't know what else crop tops are for. Ladies love them. Yes. Um, also, Jenny, I will say that people are loving these wow pins. Uh, they are limited. Uh, yes. but we, we got them for prom um, and we put them up in the online store and we've sold like half of them already. So if you want Hell a wow yeah. pin, <laughs> you, better, you better grab your wow pin. Um, also, something that is fun if you're ordering from our store um, in the next, I don't know, week or so or maybe longer, um, I've thrown uh, the rest of my queer and forever here enamel pins into the buffering store. They're free with any order. So so um, that's pretty cool. You can that literally, rocks. yeah, you can just order whatever you want and a little pop-up will happen and you can snag them while they last. I believe it's limited to one per order. Um, so go on over there, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. Um, you will find our UK store. You will find our US-based store. And yeah, I, I think we should get into this conversation because it is... Yes. Truly one of my favorite so conversations good. that I've ever had with another human being, um, and certainly about this episode of television. So, shall yeah, we, Jenny? Jen rocks. Let's do it. Welcome to a special segment where today I am talking with Jen Malkowski. Jen, welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for reaching out to sort of like uh, orient our listeners. We are having this conversation in February and our exchange, I think, started back in December or something of last year (laughs) uh, when Jen reached out to say like, hey, I know that this, as we all do, right? We're all like, we know that this episode is coming. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have a very specifically suited skill set for talking about the body. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and sort of what you told me when you reached out to me? Sure, yeah. So I am a professor of film and media studies at Smith College and a longtime Buffy fan way back. Um, But my specialty (laughs) in film and media, uh, one of my specialties is kind of the history of representations of death and dying in film and television. Uh, So yeah, I wrote a book about documentary representations of death, people actually dying on camera. Um, so actually, the body is kind of light for me. This will be an easy conversation because <laughs> nobody really died. <laughs> right. Um, true. True. <laughs> but in researching that book, uh, obviously, the way we watch documentaries is so informed by 
our experiences with uh, fiction film and television. And there's a lot of kind of ways that those two spheres inform each other. Um, and I think there's a lot to say about this episode of Buffy in particular and, and what it wants to say about death and representation. Yeah. Well, how, I mean, before, because I want to hear about your relationship to the show, and then we'll obviously dig into um, the episode specifics. But before we even get there, how, like, what is your story with how you became, like, how this became your specialty, how this became the thing that you have your your focus on? Will mm-hmm. you share that with us? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people ask me that. And I, I think all I can say, I was always a morbid kid. I was, like, memorizing <laughs> poems by Edgar Allan Poe when I was in fifth grade. Uh, you know, I loved all that stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think my answer, like, why do I, you know, write and think about and research death? Well, I'm going to die, right? <laughs> like we all are. So <laughs> it's a topic of personal interest to me. Um, and I guess it, I'm yeah. more like, why isn't everybody thinking about this? <laughs> but oh, I, gosh. I, I know the answer to that, too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which we'll probably get to in this conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's just, it's always been uh, a topic of, of fascination for me. Yeah, and that, I mean, you know, to to sort of get, you and I might be on sort of far ends of this spectrum because normally preparing for um, a conversation like this one, I would have rewatched the episode that mm-hmm. we're going to be discussing. But I will be very transparent with you and tell you, Jen, that I did not rewatch The Body, um, and I am extremely distressed that part of my job will mean that I will probably have to watch this episode yeah. uh, more than one more time. So, um, you know, for for I think a lot of us, and, and we'll get into the, the details of the episode in a minute, but, you know, as much as somebody didn't die in reality, it, it's probably the most impactful experience I've ever had with loss. Mm. Uh through media. Right. Um, right. But before before we go into it, I want to hear just like your relationship to the show, right? Just in general, not this episode specifically, but um, did you watch it when it was on air? Did you um, watch it more recently? Like, how did you come to mm-hmm. the show? Yeah, I have a, a long history. I watched it in real time when it was actually on. I think I started in season two. Um Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those queers of a certain age for whom like Willow and Tara was <laughs> how I understood my sexuality as I was coming into it. They were, you know, that show was yeah. incredibly important to me. And the great thing was I was already watching it, right? <laughs> so right. I was trying to figure out my sexuality and then all of a sudden there, you know, mm-hmm. my favorite character on my favorite TV show that I was obsessed with was coming wow. out. So it was a real gift to me as I know it has been for a lot of your listeners. Um, Gosh, Queers of a Certain Age is also an excellent (laughs) band name. I want to encourage some of you listening to consider it. You can have it. My (laughs) gift to you. (laughs) So you're watching this in real time, and this is before you are, you know, you've done all of this sort of research and study into um, this. So so what was your first experience of the body like then? You know, I remember... I remember the trailer really clearly because that was season five. Mm. That was the real height of my Buffy obsession. So I every trailer I knew, like I was anticipating the episode <laughs> all week. And what's interesting is that the um, and I don't know if those are those previews accessible. Can you find those on YouTube or? We have, I mean, even if they're not on YouTube, I feel like with our community, we have the power <laughs> to find them, right. you know? So if we if we can't find them by a Google search, then someone will share them with us. Right. So I don't think I've seen, I think I've, I only saw that preview for the episode back in, what, what are we in now, 2000? 2001? Yes, 2000. Um, so I probably... No, no, yeah, you're right. It's actually the start of 2001. Right. It's February 2001. So I haven't seen that that preview since 2001, but my memory of it is that the episode was advertised um, as the kind of episode you would expect if a major character died. Um, there was a lot of mm. music in the preview. There was a lot of kind of dramatic mm. camera work, um, you know, kind of in the melodrama mode. Like, this is going to be a yeah. sad episode where something tragic happens, which it is. Um, but I think it's one of those episodes where the the trailer really doesn't match. Um, you know, nobody came into that that 60 minutes of television prepared for exactly how this tragic thing was going to be represented, mm-hmm. um, which is super mm-hmm. interesting because it really is a departure both from Buffy as a show tonally yeah. and from pretty yeah. much anything that was on television at that time or, you know, I mean... 
I don't know, but I'd have to think about since. But it, it was really a kind of rupture moment um, for the show right. and for thinking about how you would see an episode of television where a character died. Totally. And I know, you know, you had seen right the week before the last episode, the episode before this ended mm-hmm. with the same shot that the body begins with. But I'm sure that watching it in real time, you know, before you're seeing that trailer, there's just a, you know, a hope or or a thought that well, we'll start the next episode and like this will change. This will be different. It won't be sort of like the last note of this. Um, yeah. So that also seems like a pretty, I mean, I know for me experiencing it way after the fact, um, this episode, and I'm sure I'll say this in the main conversation that we have about it, but this episode of the show when I watched it um, on my timeline was the moment when I said, this is the best television show I've ever seen. Yeah. Like this was the this was the moment when I was like, I have never in my life experienced anything like this. And I still have not, you know, I'm not saying that right. nothing out there exists, but Yeah. It's really staggering. And I, I think it's a it's such a singular moment of television and one that, you know, no showrunner would have been allowed to make an episode like that um, if they hadn't mm-hmm. kind of established, you know, the the kind of like base that Joss Whedon had already established with the show. Right, right. That calls to mind you saying that calls to mind some of the episodes of like um, a show like BoJack Horseman, mm-hmm. um, where yeah. you know the, they they really can take liberty and say like this episode is going to be just like completely out of the realm of of anything right. that we've ever done um, because they know that they ha- they can they can take those risks and we're going to follow them and this I think is one of those situations where the risk has a payoff that although devastating is is stunning definitely. So, um, Jen, you sent me some of your um, your sort of like beats, if you will, mm-hmm. in like watching this episode and things that specifically for you and your journey um, through looking at death and media really stick out to you. And I would love to go through those. And, and you know, we talked about this before we started taping, but I'm going to participate in the sense of like listening and, and um, you know, sharing my response thoughts. But this much more is, I think, us getting to learn from you how this episode of television is situated in, in sort of the larger collection of of television and and media that showcases death and loss and and specifically within the buffy verse like what is what is happening here in like a technical way and mm-hmm. also just in a um creative way that lets us experience this loss so profoundly right i i mean i think the place i would have to start with that is to zoom way out and just say i mean this sounds ridiculous but it's it's surprising that this is a whole episode of tv about a natural death. Um, Mm. And it's not only surprising because we're on a show about supernatural violent deaths. I mean, how many deaths have we seen on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? If we count vampire (laughs) hustings, right? right? (laughs) Um, Oh, forget it. Countless. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so many. Um, But uh, it's really surprisingly rare to see natural death represented in film or television. And some of what I'm going to say, I'll kind of use film as an example, but um, a lot of it translates back and forth. So, I'll actually just say um, an exercise that I do with my students, I teach a class on uh, death violence and the moving image. And the way I start that class, and your listeners can play along with this if they want to, actually. So I say, um, set a timer for two minutes. And when you start the timer, write down the titles of as many movies as you can think of that have a scene of someone dying a violent death on screen. Right. So two minutes. So if you're playing along at home, pause the podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) set your timer and do it, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. and when you come back, um, take another two minutes, timed, write down as many movies as you can think of with a scene of natural death. So a human dying on screen of nonviolent causes. And every single time I've run this exercise, what I have found is pretty much every single student could go on forever writing down the names of movies with violent deaths. They get about like 15 on paper and then the timer runs out. And we start the two minutes for natural death. They usually get to maybe two movies or three movies and then they spend the rest of the time just racking their brains. Mm -hmm. So to put this in perspective, I think that there are a lot of reasons for this imbalance on, on film and TV. Why do we see violent death all the time and why do we so rarely see natural death? Um, One of the reasons this is like the nerdier film studies one, but 
film is an art of movement, right? Like that's what film and television could do um, like no other movement before them. They could record time, record movement. Um, Natural Death is very still, right? It's kind of profoundly mm. uncinematic and untelevisual. There's just a body that looks kind of the same before and after, you know, that kind of moment of death. Um, but Violent Death is full of dynamic motion. It's exciting to watch on screen. Um, mm-hmm. I think, though, more than that, in a deeper way, the absence of natural death is about our own fears, right? What do we use film and TV for? Um, a lot of the times we look to these media for escapism. And the truth is that, uh, you know, we ourselves, and this is broadly true across all kinds of different identity markers, geographical markers, but we are more likely to die natural deaths than violent deaths. Um, Mm -hmm. If you take the U.S. as an example, uh, and if you look at the CDC mortality tables, which I say um, I've spent more than my fair share of time doing, (laughs) (laughs) I just checked them last night for this, and the the most recent data we have, less than 10% of deaths in the U.S. each year are violent. Um, wow. And most of those are deaths from accidents. So mm-hmm. the kinds of death that we're used to watching in our film and television is really unlike the kinds of deaths that we ourselves are likely to die. And again, like you can look across races, you can look across gender. Um, this is broadly true. Um, even where yeah. there are differences, violent deaths are are pretty rare. Um, mm-hmm. And I really wish that more film and television makers would use this medium to help us think through natural death and that more audiences would be willing to go there, right? So that's what Mm -hmm. Buffy really did in the body. And it was brilliant because they already had a devoted audience who were going to watch this episode no matter what, even if it was about natural death and about these earliest stages of grief. So I, I think it's just like baseline, incredibly rare that we have an hour of TV devoted to exploring this. Yeah, and we see, and obviously, you know, this this podcast is is a marker of what it's like to relive through um, this show that was on 20 years ago in real time now. Mm-hmm. And this episode, even the way that it's impacting Jenny and I and the way that we talk about it in the podcast, the way we're approaching it in the podcast is all sort of like resonant of what you're saying. We're there to talk about things, to talk about serious things, but mostly for escape, right? People want to escape. And so we're like, we want to be able to laugh and have fun. And we literally cannot laugh and have fun with that last scene. So what are we going to (laughs) do? So just bringing it sort of like some of what you're saying into the universe of the podcast specifically, Mm -hmm. too, I think those parallels exist. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's very interesting. When I I teach this class, we spend a whole semester um, watching films, including documentaries about death. And um, it's really hard. It's emotionally hard for people. Um, Everybody has their own experiences, their own associations, their own fears, their own losses. Um, But it's it's also incredibly profound. I think that's why I work on this topic. Um, You know, the the stakes are so high uh, for all of us emotionally, not just around our own deaths, but around loss. And how are we going to go through that? I think it's a little bit like the scene we get in the body uh, where Buffy is talking to Tara, this kind of unlikely conversation. You know, they're not close. They don't, you know, the show takes pains to establish that Buffy and Tara are not close for whatever reason. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes. But that moment where Tara says, like, I've been through this. And all of a sudden, like, there's something there for Buffy. Right. Um, Right. You know, this sense that experience in some way can help us um, get through these moments. And I think when we don't have those experiences in life, right, um, and we know we're going to have to face something like this ourselves, um, we often look to film and television, you know, but where if it's not being represented? So, um, you know, this is is one of those places that we can look, I think, to an episode like this, um, that in a really empathetic way, even though it's a very difficult episode to watch, um, is trying to help us think about how will we go through this, um, you know, or maybe calling back to how we have gone through this if we've already experienced our own losses. Right, right. And you you wrote down in your notes, too, that the line that Tara says, right, I know it's different for you because it's always different, mm-hmm. which I think is 
such a powerful um, exchange for them. And and also, you know, I mean, part of the reason that I that I'm so excited to have this conversation with you is because um, this episode is has so much in it, and all of the experience that you have is going to bring up things for me and our listeners that are going to help us look at this episode in ways that I think we never have. And mm-hmm. um, something that you're bringing up for me and talking about Tara and their exchange is that. For the most part, we understand Buffy as someone who um, cannot be understood by anyone around her, by right. um, family, friends, right? Her her experience as the Slayer is singular. Um, and like you said at the top of our conversation, this is um, different than pretty much any death we've experienced um, at least to this extent. And I think it is probably also singular in the fact that it is a moment when Buffy can be understood um mm. in in a way that other other humans can be understood right. that yeah. um, the, the loss she is experiencing is one that is identifiable and um you know of course never as tara says exactly the same but mm-hmm. paralleled um which i think is really powerful i think that's a really good insight i mean we see so many times buffy saying i just want to be a normal girl i just want to be a normal girl and here she is going through one of the most <laughs> normal experiences in life and it's so shattering Right. Right. Um, right. I think especially because we think of her as exceptional, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I think that ties into um, a kind of misinterpretation of the very end of the episode that um, uh, I know I felt when I was watching it. And, you know, on Joss Whedon's commentary track, he says a lot of people, you know, misread it this way. But when Dawn reaches out to touch, uh, you know, the corpse's face and you don't see the touch. I remember thinking, oh, the next episode is going to start and her key powers are going to bring Joyce back to life (laughs) because that's the show we think we're in. Right. That kind of stuff happens all the time on this show. So it's Mm -hmm. it's so unexpected to see our characters um, actually going through just like a very normal, if like very upsetting human experience in this way. Yeah, I wonder too if, you know, uh, I mean, I think that this episode is powerful regardless of where it stands in the the series, but there is something to the fact that we come to it with five seasons worth of uh, patterns. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a breaking of a pattern of one season or two seasons. It's This is years uh, of us sort of almost always getting at least what we um, think we will get, which isn't to say, of course, that the show is is predictable. We've had losses that we didn't expect, but never, ever to this to this level. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's I mean, if you think about the title of the episode, it's called The Body. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And Joyce's body features really heavily in it. We keep coming back to it over and over again. I think it's the the end of every kind of act of the show and the beginning of each of the next ones. Mm. We see the body. I mean, we see it in a way that we don't usually see corpses on television, right? It kind of lingers in this really uncomfortable way. Um, And to me, you know, that comes back to the way we usually are asked to deal with bodies or not on Buffy. I mean, this is a show, it's most iconic um, kind of scenes of death, the body turns to dust and disappears, right? Right, right. And it's someone who right. was already dead. So, you know, that part of Buffy is emblematic of most of our media, that these are kind of mm-hmm. cheap, meaningless deaths. There's nothing to deal with at the end, and it didn't even really count um, because these weren't people in the first place. And I'm not criticizing yeah. the show for that. I think, like, you know, that that's the norm you know, in a normal episode, that's fine. Like that's, this is a supernatural show about dusting vampires. <laughs> but um, right, but right. here they're really reckoning with that. And they're saying like, here there there is a body. It's going to stick around. We're going to see it. It's going to be this material reminder of this horrible loss. Um, and that's something we're not used to on the show. You too, I think you mentioned somewhere um, sort of these dissonances. And and I think that connects to the way that we see Joyce. And, you know, years ago at this point, we talked to Christine Sutherland. And um, when we discussed this episode, something she talked about was sort of like, you know, my participation in this episode was having to sort of lay on the couch in this very uncomfortable position because mm-hmm. she she does not look comfortable it is and then the episode as it as we move through it 
there's all these little moments of sort of like where you wouldn't expect um, for her, for Buffy to fall or, or um, sort of like be hit with the impact of mm-hmm. this. And um, I, I know again that I'll be talking about this in more detail, but you know, I, I went through an experience where I almost lost my mom. And one of the biggest images I have from that experience was the fact that her toenails were painted perfectly. She had just mm-hmm. been on vacation. Mm-hmm. And so she had like these perfectly manicured toenails um, that were in this hospital bed that she was, you mm-hmm. know, we thought dying in very suddenly. And and I think that's why this episode, not the only reason, but I should say one of the reasons why this episode is so impossible for so many of us to watch is Absolutely. because they seem to capture that, right? Whatever that is, whatever we call that that like this doesn't belong with this yeah. and yet here they are together <laughs> seems so present yeah there's so many little moments of that in the episode just little things that don't seem like they should coexist with what's actually happening right you'll notice like buffy has a yeah. band-aid on her finger i mean she has Ugh. slayer healing powers does buffy really put a band-aid on <laughs> if she has a hangnail right? right but that's right. there like that's costuming for a reason it's like this little gesture of um, her own material vulnerability, right? Her fragility mm-hmm. um, that's so in contrast to, you know, this death that happens. Um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful day. You hear kids playing in the background. There's all these little moments where it yeah. just feels like, how can this how can this be at the same time that this other thing is? And that, that sounds like what you experienced, you know, with your mom's uh, episode as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Jen, you talked to about sound and I know we're going to talk about this a lot, but I would love to hear some of your, um, experience of the sound design in this episode. I mean, I guess we've touched on it even a little bit just Mm -hmm. now with the kids laughing and playing and things like that. But overall, this is also pretty big departure, um, sound wise. And I wonder, you know, so much more about film and TV and how they use sound typically. So how does this stand up? It's com- it's wildly different, and and that brings me back to watching that preview that had all the music over it. There's very very little. I don't know if there's any music in this episode. I'd have to really like think back. Um, but the you know usually we expect our media to score how we're supposed to be feeling about something, right? So mm-hmm. if a character dies, we get that you know that swelling you know, sad music. Think about Angel, like think about Buffy plunging the sword into Angel, right? I mean, it's great. Right. Nothing nothing against that technique. Um, but when we see that pattern broken, um, it's it's so shocking to us. I think it, mm-hmm. the sound here goes along with um, also the fact that we don't actually see Joyce die, right? Um, mm-hmm. We only see the body. We kind of come in with Buffy when it seems like she's already been dead for quite a while. Um, when yeah. we do see natural death in film and television, there's this fetishizing of the moment of death, which I always put in quotation marks because death isn't a moment. It's a process, right? Hmm. Um, but there's this mm-hmm. fantasy I think many of us have that there's a very sharp transition. You know, you're alive and then you see it. There's something mystical that happens. And now the person is dead, right? The the living being mm-hmm. has become this just material corpse. Um you know, for anybody who has kind of sat with a relative um, dying a natural death, for the, it, in most cases, that's not how it feels at all. Um, and that's not what it looks like. But those are the scenes we tend to get on TV. So we get, you know, the, the moment of death, like the last breath, the eyes closing, the voice trailing off. And then we get a really emotional score over that. And this episode doesn't give us any of that. We come in to a dead body there's almost no music or maybe no music on the soundtrack. And we hear, um, you know, in terms of sound design, we hear the really kind of like disturbing, banal noises, like the paramedics trying to revive Joyce, right? We hear like the pushing of the chest and them messing around with their equipment in ways that we don't yeah. usually hear that kind of ambient sound so clearly mm-hmm. in television. So, yeah, I mean, Buffy here, the the show is really stripping away Everything that usually um, kind of smooths out our experience of of a scene of death and it's giving us, it's trying to give us, I think, a a very hyper real, um, you know, kind of experience of, of what that's like. 
And what do you think, uh, not to take us too far off course, but you're, um, you're a professor and you're really impacting me because uh, like it, 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 you could tell, I can tell that my brain is like sort of opening up in the way that it, it used to when I was like in grad school. So I feel <laughs> like you have this power of making us think more, but you know, you're, you're saying your sort of discussion of this moment of death and how like we, it isn't a moment. It's actually a process. It, it mm-hmm. sort of rang some bells for me because uh, so much of my work has been around sexuality and gender and, um, yeah there's a parallel there in the fact that like we often think and are told and are shown that there is like a coming out moment. Um, But of course there is not, it's not a moment. It's a process. It's ongoing. It's different than it usually looks in the way that it's portrayed. And Mm -hmm. uh, not to again, take us too far, but I, I wonder, I know that from my experience and my specialty, if you will, right. That like the actual giving that moment the nuance it deserves is really powerful um, when we talk about sexuality and gender identity because it lets us really know what the reality is. Um, And so I wonder what your thoughts are because, again, coming back to this episode as so hard to watch, this is what you do. This is sort of your specialty. Um, Do you think that it is, and if so, like how, uh, more powerful to be able to actually see that this isn't a moment, that it doesn't have a soundtrack, that it is in contrast with life continuing on rather than what we normally get, which is these moments of swell and, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I think this is and and I should clarify what we're getting in the body is not um the dying process, which is maybe even more rare to see represented in any kind of sustained focused detail um mm-hmm. uh than just natural death in general. I mean, dying is usually a long process. It wasn't a long process for Joyce, right? This is a I think an aneurysm situation, which is very sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting a kind of sustained look at, you know, the immediate aftermath of a natural death. And at like the the really early stages, I mean, I don't even want to say grief. I don't even think we're there yet in the show. But um, just these mm-hmm. initial reactions the characters are having um, and the process, you know, of grieving that begins in those first hours when you're still dealing with the logistics of a death, right? Um, and I know, I mean, logistics, it's so boring, but this episode is not boring at all. Um, and I don't think the, you know, those experiences are, are really hard for people um, in that immediate aftermath. Um, and I think that's where we come to the line. I mean, nothing in this episode, I mean, nothing in any episode, well, maybe some episodes, not all episodes of Buffy are great, <laughs> but um, usually in my experience, nothing in uh, a Joss Whedon episode is there by accident. So even in the kind of what seems like a very throwaway plot about Dawn being at school and having her crush and she's in an art class, but, you know, listen to what the lecture is. It's not a lecture exactly, but the what the teacher is saying. Um, She's talking about, we're going to draw this statue of a woman's body. No coincidence there. And we're Mm. looking at the negative space around the object, right? Not the object itself, but the space around it. And I think that's really the mission statement for this episode, right? To kind of look at process as that body materializes, what's happening around it, what's happening to, you know, this initial emotional journey of, several characters that we've come to know so well over the years, that kind of negative Mm -hmm. space um, around the body, Uh, you know, what an individual death means really uh, in the context of a show that's given us hundreds and hundreds of deaths, most of which mean nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's true. We haven't talked too much about the impact because this episode is so Obviously, when you think of it, you think of Buffy first. Mm-hmm. Um, but the impact that we see for so many people in this episode, you mentioned Tara, but also Anya, mm-hmm. um, how the negative space, if you will, and and the negative space, I guess, around the body, but also the body impacts each character is, again, like nothing I have ever experienced. Um, I wonder, too, what you think. Um, and I'm asking sort of for myself, but I'm sure that, you know, we all share experiences. So I'm probably asking on behalf of my listeners, like, uh, 
I, I wonder uh, sort of on behalf of the people listening and myself, what you think this episode can give to us, right? That like, it's hard to watch, but how can we use it to um, reflect positively on this experience that mm. we do all wrestle with, that we do all face? And maybe that's putting too much on you. I don't no. want to. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I have two answers to that. Um, one of them ties back to that scene I was talking about with Dawn. And it always struck mm. me when I watched this episode right from the beginning, we don't actually fully see the moment that Buffy tells Dawn this news, right? Which I was dread. I mean, you, you kind of dread that, but also that's that's the real like emotional heart of, you know, films and and TV about death, right? This kind of like, oh, got that moment you get this horrible news, the kind of um, distraught, awful emotion around it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's surprising, I think, that we watch that exchange muffled. We don't hear the sound really. We're inside the art class with these other students and teachers we've never seen before and I, I think never see again maybe some of them we see again um, but no <laughs> yeah, one I we care right. about right <laughs> mm-hmm. um we're we're put back with these nobodies who are just watching this happen mm-hmm. to dawn and can't even really hear it and it's this um strange moment stylistically but I think that move um that the show makes at that moment highlights our role as voyeurs, really, in the pain of others. It asks Mm. us to think about why are we drawn to stories about death and grief? Like, what role do these stories serve in our lives? And why does it make it Mm. so uncomfortable for us when we see those things represented a little more realistically, like they are in this episode, than the way we usually see death in film and media? Um, You know, but as I said, I think they do serve a role. Film and TV shows, for most of us, are rehearsals for our own losses, right? When they're about death, um, the experiences we're going to go through losing people we care about um, and eventually for our own deaths. I mean, if we, where do we learn how to die? I mean, physically, it's easy. You don't have any control over it. But I think, you know, emotionally and interpersonally, where do we learn those skills? Um, Because the deaths of people around us are often really far removed Um, at this point in our history, it used to be really different. In the 19th century, um, people would go to the deathbeds of their neighbors, right? They would, like, go next door to the farmhouse and actually visit with their dying neighbor. Can you imagine doing that today? It's such a strange um, idea because we've really pushed uh, the process of dying out of view for the most part. So, you know, but but we have to get these lessons somewhere. Um, and I think an episode like this uh, has the potential to help uh, help a lot of us in that sense. But my second answer to this, um, I revisited Joss Whedon's commentary track. Uh, it's transcribed online for anybody who wants to see it. Uh, about this episode, I was curious what he had said about it. And, and he says something really devastating here. Um, And it's kind of a longer quotation, but I'll just read it out. He says, my experience of death is that apart from a lot of hugging at funerals, it seldom brings people together. It actually tears them apart. And I had always learned from TV that a death made everybody stronger and better and learn about themselves. And my experience was that an important piece had been taken out of the puzzle amongst my family or friends or whomever it was and that that piece would never be replaced and people would never be the same, and that there is no glorious payoff. There are sometimes revelations and lessons that are useful. You have to take something out of it because it's inevitable. But, you know, Oof. from him, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. one of the one of the makers behind this episode, uh, it's a pretty dark <laughs> message, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. I'm not, I really know, set you up for that, didn't I? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can you get from it, Kristen? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm not personally in the camp of, uh, I'm all about the death of the author. Media isn't, you know, just because Joss Whedon says, yeah. don't take anything from this. <laughs> death is terrible. There's no upside. Uh, you know, we, we have our own interpretations, and, and that's, how, uh, that's how meaning is created. It's the interaction yeah. between maker and audience and, and all kinds of other voices like yours and Jenny's. Uh, in how we interpret what we see. Um, but I thought I would share that that particularly grim 
um, statement <laughs> from the, the person who wrote and directed this. Episode. Well, you know, what's interesting and maybe, you know, I mean, I am notoriously sort of no matter how old I get, I, I just can't seem to fully take off my rose colored glasses. But <laughs> um, I, I do think that like there is a bit of a parallel between those two things, between what you're saying and what mm-hmm. he's saying. And the, and I think that for me, the, the thing that really jumped out in the moment that I got chills when you were talking was when you said like, we sort of like need to practice. We need rehearsal. We need, we need some way to do this. And I think that, you know, I I can't put um, meaning on what Joss was saying in the commentary here, but I think that that's sort of also the point that like there isn't a larger meaning, there isn't a big thing, there isn't, you're not going to become like a better person or unlock the mysteries or what have you that, Mm -hmm. that maybe at the end of the day, we just need to be able to sit with this. We need to be able to look at it. We need to be able to look at what it really is and what it really feels like when we do lose people and when we face death ourselves. And I think when, when the people we care about lose people. I mean, because yes. ultimately learning about death, thinking about death, sitting with your own mortality and the mortality of everyone around you, it, it's also about taking care of the people you love because you're going to want to be there for folks who are going through this. And if you have so much discomfort and so little experience um, thinking about these issues, you, you're not going to be able to show up for those folks in the way that you would want to. Yeah, I just was recently having a conversation with somebody about this, not even related to death, but just loss in general, the losses that Mm -hmm. we um, walk through in our lives. And um, the conversation I was having was with somebody else who had gone through a divorce, which is its own loss. And um, she came to me in the wake of my divorce because she had just started going through her own divorce. And Mm -hmm. um, she said, you know, the way that you were able to connect with me was so powerful. And I said, well, yeah, because I was able to look at you and say, this is awful. <laughs> I wasn't trying, right? Like I wasn't trying to make it. Um, mm. I wasn't trying to tell you you were going to get something out of it or that it was going to be okay or that like whatever because – and I think that, you know, and the reason I bring it up is because I think that that's also when we say practice and rehearse and familiarize, it's like the ability to look at somebody who has suffered a loss and, and in, in our context we're talking about death um, and, to, and to really say like, you know what, no, it's not okay. Like it's not. Yeah. And there might not be a big lesson. It might just – hurt. Um, but I, but I know some of that hurt and I can like share some of that with you. I can, I can let you know that I see you. Um, I think that's, that's a powerful thing that we can take from, you know, obviously our own losses, but also from this episode of television. Definitely. And if you think about it, I mean, there are so few universals in human life, really. I mean, there's all kinds of things we are told are universal and, and many of us know they're really not. Um, but this is one of them. We're all going to die and we're all going to experience loss. Um, this is something that really brings us together, you know, as as a people. Um, but it's rare that we actually feel that way about it, that we feel connected and together in these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the best thing, you know, an episode of TV like this can do that's that's really not there to entertain us in the way that Buffy is usually there to entertain us. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. is to, to help us get better um, at connecting through loss and at reckoning with, you know, this thing that we all share. Yeah, yeah. Talking to you is such a joy. Um, I can't express. I, I'm, I know sometimes I get to like have this experience where I can feel, I think, what a lot of our listeners will be feeling. And I feel like I get to be them this time um, because I, I just cannot explain to you how um, your insights and um, conversation around this episode are, are impacting me. And I think by um, extension, uh, all of our listeners who will come to this episode from so many different places. Yeah. Um, I know we've been getting emails about this episode since the moment we started the podcast. Oh my of, gosh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, t- truly, you know, people sharing their own stories of loss, people sharing um, the way that they use this episode to move through their pain and their mm-hmm. grief. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it has such an impact on so many people um, in so many ways. And I, and I know because of the sort of the community that we have that we're going to be journeying through it together, probably in a very different way. Um, I think a lot of people, myself very much included, will be going through um, this episode and how it impacts me personally in a very different way this time. 
Um, yeah, for sure. All that to say, uh, thank you so much for for talking with us and for sharing um, your insights with us. And I think that people are going to want to know uh, where they can find you to sort of like follow you, um, where they can find <laughs> your book and all of that stuff. So can you tell us um, where we get more Jen? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a very disappointing social media presence. <laughs> I, I work on some things where I don't really want to be that visible on social media, mostly video games and like race and gender and sexuality <laughs> is another thing I work on. Um, but you could yeah. theoretically follow my Twitter at J-M-A-L-K-O-W-S, J-M-A-L-K-O-W-S. Um, or you could come attend Smith College and take my classes. That would be fine. I'd love to see you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you are interested in the book, it's called Dying in Full Detail, Mortality and Digital Documentary. It's through Duke University Press. But to be honest, I actually uh, open access is really important to me. So you can access it for free. Um, if you just look up that title yeah. and PDF, you should find your way to uh, a way to read it for free. So you don't have to buy it. That's incredible. Wow. And we'll put all of those links um, in our show notes and uh, make sure that people can find all of these things that you're that you're telling us about. And I, I hope, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say I hope to have you back on the podcast, but that's kind of morbid. <laughs> um, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do hope that should we um, should we lose any other characters along the way that you come back and you'll talk to us um, because I think it's I think it's comforting to be able to have a dialogue that's rooted in um, in in the in this place in a place where yeah. you know you look at this all the time and um, it feels like you're holding our hands a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think um, you know I think the work you all are doing with the podcast and the community that's come up around it. I mean, this is like Buffy is a great show, and I want everyone to watch it all the time for all the reasons. But when I think about it now, you know, speaking with you, I think this episode is is really one of the reasons that this show. Um, needs mm -hmm. to continue on and needs to find new audiences and, and hearing what you've said about how it's meant something to your listeners. Um, that's a great reason to kind of keep Buffy alive and keep this community thriving mm. the way you guys are doing. Oh, hell yes. What a beautiful thing. I, I am there with you. I, I love this experience. And um, it is it's very powerful to know that um, we get to go through this together because probably we haven't, most of us haven't gotten to do, I have never gotten to go through the experience of the body together with mm -hmm. the community. Um, and I think for, for a lot of people, the last time that they've been able to go through it with a larger community was in 2001 right. um, when it was when it was on air. So um, I'm, I'm very thankful for, for our community uh, and the conversations that will come from this. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much um, for, for sharing with us and uh, for I think, teaching us along the way. Uh, I appreciate it, Jen. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.